Hey everyone, this is Thea, and I want to welcome you to the corner of here and now, where we talk about real life, recovery, success, spirituality, and anything else that might come up right here, right now. Hold on to your seat, because we're in for a ride. to the corner of here and now. Today is Sunday, 11-15. We are halfway through November, everybody. Six weeks. No, yeah. Six weeks left in 2020. This is episode 2.5 on my roll of right now I'm trying to do 52 episodes in 52 days. And so I started last week and I'm going to roll through January 1st. That's my goal. So ending the year strong, doing something different. It's turned into a little bit of a diary (laughs) podcast of some kind. I'm not really sure what's going on there, but it'll be whatever it's supposed to be. That's my, that's my thing right now. If I can help one person with one nugget on every show. That's all that matters. So today I have my first guest of the 52, and I'm really, really excited about it. Um, My friend Dawn F. is here, and we've known each other for a really long time. We're not like, and I'm going to say this, we're not like best friends. We don't hang out, but when we do see each other, I think there's kind of a special bond there for some reason. Um, we were hung out at the Barrier Club about the same time, although the old Barrier Club, about the same time a long time ago. And I ran into her a few weeks back and I asked her if she would come do this with me and she graciously accepted. So um, what I'm going to do first... Grudgingly accepted. Grudgingly. <laughs> oh, we're just going to change the verbs around. Um, so what I'm going to do, if you're cool with it, Dawn, is I'm just going to um, open it up a little bit and just if you want to just... You can just tell us a little bit about yourself for those out there that maybe all seven of my listeners, two of them might not know who you are. And if you would um, just share a little bit about Dawn, if you don't mind. Oh, my goodness. That's a how do you condense a lifetime into a couple of minutes? I know. I know. Um, Well, I think the most important thing about me is that I've been a a clean and sober member of the fellowship for since June 22nd, 1997. That's the most important fact of my life. Without that, I would, I don't believe I'd be alive. Number one, number two, I certainly wouldn't be happy or be able to even have a conversation on some of the topics that you've been discussing, Mm -hmm. whether it's success, love, peace, whatever it is on the inside, that would be first and foremost. After that, I'm a mom. I have three children. My oldest is 40, almost 44 years old. Wow. Yes. I named my kids Boo Boo Oops and Uh Oh. So <laughs> there wasn't a lot of planning there. But so a 42 year old and, and a 33 year old. I have three granddaughters. So I'm a mom. I'm a grandmother. Yeah. I have my own business. I teach drug and alcohol awareness classes for people. <laughs> That's who ironic. Fail. Yeah. <laughs> it was total career change for me five yeah. years ago. And I have a home and I love helping women. That is my biggest awesome. joy in life. 
So you mentioned something about um, the most important part of you is your clean date and the fact that you're clean. I've run across something myself, especially I've noticed it over the last several years, and I've, I've noticed that for me, the fact that I'm an addict or alcoholic, whatever you want to call it, although it may be the most important part of me, it's not the only part of me today. Like There's a lot of things that make up Thea, and although the fact that I'm an addict is probably what makes me shine the brightest, for lack of a better way to put it, but it's not... It's not my defining characteristic today. She's nodding her head, everybody. Uh-huh. I am <laughs> nodding my head. <laughs> what are but your thoughts ca- on that? It's a catalyst. That's Ooh. if I I believe that I am blessed. Absolutely I have been blessed with alcoholism because if I had not become an alcoholic, I wouldn't be the seeker that I am today. Ah. I wouldn't read the books that I read today. I wouldn't have the relationships that I have today which in fact defines me. The love that I have in my heart keeps growing and growing. It's, it's like I'm going to burst some days and big, big, there'll be big old globs of dawn all over the floor and the <laughs> ceiling and the walls. I'm going to explode. But I counteract that by giving it away. Ooh. I wish you guys were sitting here. I can feel it. I can feel it coming <laughs> across the table. I can feel it coming across the table. I like to say too, like when I go before COVID, I spoke a lot at chemo palms and I was going over to house four a lot like I was three to four days a week I was in a group doing a group thank God to Kenny Cord Cordray he got me doing groups um, thank you Kenny I'll try not to cry because that's just how it is <sighs> but I remember I'll never forget it and I'll share this with you and I'll share it with every all seven of you out there that one day Kenny and I were having lunch and I was all down in my dumps he's like you need a group Thea you need a group I've had a group at Into Action for 27 and a half years, and you need to, you need to go get a group. And I was like, oh, Kenny, whatever, blah, blah, blah. Well, I ended up getting a group, and then I got another group, and I got another group, and it became, it became this thing. Part of this podcast is Kenny, but that's a different thing. Planting but, seeds. Yeah, and then COVID came along, and now there's no thing there but what i used to love to tell those especially the women at house for the fact that we're addicts and alcoholics that's our superpower that's what makes us gives us a little grit that's what gives us some callus that's what can allow us to push through so many things that may, you know we understand powerlessness we understand being locked down we understand COVID. it sucks don't get me wrong but there's a level, a different level of acceptance there because we're addicts and alcoholics and we've already been through the shit. The catalyst to jump into a new way of life. Mm-hmm. Absolute catalyst. It was our conscious separation from God that brings us to our conscious connection with God. That conscious connection is what makes everything go. Ah. Okay, we're going to stop right now, you guys. <laughs> we're going to keep going, though. <laughs> wow and it's that reframing the conversation so if i end up in house four chemo palms or wherever the hell way out women's center this is the end of my life oh my god no 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 it is the beginning exactly reframe that conversation you have no idea where it's going to take you your slate's been wiped clean and now you have the opportunity to rebuild it however you want it to look 
It's like playing dress up in a big department store and there's no heart holds barred and you can try on anything and wear anything in any way you want to. You can mix and match colors and you don't even have to match. That's it's a, it is the clean slate. How yeah. are you going to decorate your tapestry? Whew. I'd even say COVID's the same. Absolutely. Because a lot of us got our swipe, slate swipe clean during this and now we've got we have the opportunity to decide who comes back in our life, what comes back in our life, how I want to live my life. I literally have the opportunity to rebuild my life. Is it a limitation or is it, is it an opportunity for growth? Right. I choose it to be an opportunity for growth. Right. Everything. I haven't really slowed down. Yeah. Every single day I've got one to four to five women a day coming to my house to sit across the table and read or do step work or just have conversation. I do groups and a book club at my house yeah. once a week. Yeah. It's, I want to be involved. I want to be in the middle. I want to have my finger on the heartbeat of life. Yeah. Nothing has to slow me down in the, our methods may be slowed down, but not our intent. Ooh, there you go. Methods, but not intent. Wow. I have a list of, 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 of index card on my kitchen counter so I can remember there's about 33 women on there who I either sponsor or, you know, I'm their grand sponsor. Mm -hmm. And I just remember to call anywhere from 10 to 30 a day. Oh, call shit. or text. <laughs> because I am an overachiever. But what, what happens is people separate. It's like closing yeah. the mini blinds one eighteenth of an inch a day. And you close it and you don't notice the difference that day or the next day, but eventually you get shut off from the sunlight of the spirit. Are we remembering to call those women who are the introverts? Are we remembering to call those women who have the sad look in their eyes or they're going through something? They've lost their, their pet. Mm -hmm. They've lost their husband. They've lost their partner. Or, you know, they're just newly sober or maybe they're thinking about being new. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wow. So when we tell someone to call one person a day, that's like, that's nothing. Uh, no. I tell my girls <laughs> How to many? call five a day. Five a day. Different from day to day or the same five? Oh, I like different. Yes. Yeah. Mix it up. Don't, don't get in the habit of calling the same five people either. But even those five, you learn to build relationship. Yes. Right? Yeah. And get that comfort level. And then it's even more fun when you mix it up a little bit. <laughs> You never know what you're going to get on the other side. Woo. All right. So let's move on just a little. I'm sure we'll loop back around. This is going to go all over the place. But uh, like we were sharing about prior uh, to hitting re record, we were talking about um, success a little bit. And, you know, everyone's got a different take on it. Everyone has a different... Well, if I get this, I'll be successful. If I do this or whatever, whatever the deal is, what I found for myself is I'll go, oh, that's what success is. And I'll go get that. And then I'm standing there like, well, this kind of sucks or yeah, I wanted this, but now I don't want it right now. Or this wasn't what I thought it was going to be. There's a lot of ins and outs with all that, but I'm, I'm curious about what, and I don't know if you've ever thought about this or if anybody's ever asked you. So I'm curious, what are your thoughts on success? And I know you've had some changes over the last several years, too. I believe defining success is a lot like trying to define God. 
I think it's important to take it out of the box. When I've got the word success in a box, it must look like this. It's got to look like the Cadillac. It's got to look like the figure, the face, the wrinkles, the the belly fat. It's got to look, you know, lack thereof or more of. The bank account, when I put success in a box like that, I personally believe that I'm doomed to failure. (sighs) (laughs) Today, Mm -hmm. I have had a successful day if I have loved today. I have had a successful day if I can stay peaceful and not overly uh, attached to my opinions. Today, I can have success if maybe I've made somebody smile, that I've made that phone call or sent that love letter, sent that card, reached out, held that door for the person at the grocery store or at the Starbucks holding the space for love and peace. To me, that's a successful day. Life. Yeah. yeah. I'm thinking now. There's going to be long pauses Ooh. of silence. Yeah. It's, yeah. Like <laughs> yeah. it's not what I imagined it to be. I, I thought it had to be about, for me, mm-hmm. I had a picture of it. It was for me to be married and to have someone to support me in the manner of which I, to which I'd like to become accustomed. <laughs> To me, it meant me traveling all over the world and going places and having jewelry and the right clothes and the right shoes and the right car. Mm -hmm. To me, that's what I thought success looked like. Well, to date, I haven't found that. Mm -hmm. But I don't believe I'm not successful. I believe that I learned to take the word out of the box just like I learned to take the concept of God out of the box. If you have a sponsee, let's put a scenario in here, um, and they're maybe, you know, they're struggling in their life, for, when, when, let's say finances, because that's a big one for a lot of people, right? It's a oh, big yeah. deal. It'll take us out, too, money and re- relationships, right? So you've got a sponsee, and they're struggling with their finances, and da-da-da-da-da, and maybe they even or start talking about the word success during some of these struggles. So maybe you've had this before. I don't know. You know, what, what kinds of things would you, how would you direct them back? Like what types of things would you bring them back to or to step work, God, prayer, helping others, house four, like, you know what I mean? Like what's that, what's that going to look, look, look like from Dawn's point of view? All of those things. (laughs) First, the first thing I would say, how's your meditation going? (laughs) When I get silent, when I get quiet, when I can invite that energy or the voice for God inside of my body, my being, my throat, my chest, mm-hmm. I, I can be peaceful, even if there's zero money in my bank account. It's just a redirect. I really believe that um, there's, there's, there are many sayings in many different of the world's wisdom traditions right? Mm -hmm. Whether it's Christianity, Jesus said, as a man thinketh, so becometh his reality. What are you thinking? What are you focusing on? Why is that important? I might want to readjust what my priorities are. If my bank account is more important than my children or my grandchildren or my sobriety, I'm going to get that much out of my life. It is a redirect. Well, let's prioritize this. If I have peace on the inside of me, it might be okay that I'm broke today. Mm -hmm. 
I always ask my sponsees, the, the question that I ask is in this breath, take a big breath. In this breath, are you okay? Yes, I am okay in this breath. In this breath, I'm not hungry. In this breath, all my needs are met. And we come right back to the breath is what we learn Mm -hmm. in our program, in our meditation. Everything is okay. I can easily spin out of control. You know when you go fishing and you cast the line, right? (laughs) Yeah, the reels go... Yeah. I, I can easily yeah. spin out of control. The hardest thing I will ever do in this lifetime and anyone will ever do is learning how to discipline our thought life. That's the toughest. Yes. That is just... I don't care how many years sober or yeah. how many days sober I you don't are. care how much you've meditated. I don't care how many 10 steps you're doing, whatever. Yes. It doesn't matter. You are going to have a tough time with those thoughts. That's why we continue on that 10th step. Yes resolutely turning our thoughts mm-hmm. turning our thoughts to redirect my thinking yeah yeah so that's why you call people that's what, <laughs> right because when i'm too busy listening to you i'm not thinking about me yeah. selfishness and self-centeredness and that being totally self-absorbed is the root of all my problems i'm so self-absorbed still today <laughs> but not when you're thinking about others no that's the beautiful not when you're doing a group Correct. And that's the beautiful part about all of that, of the sponsorship and the sponsees and the groups and even the podcast. Even when I'm sitting here by myself doing a podcast by myself, Thea ceases to exist. It's really miraculous that even in a meeting, sitting in a meeting and sharing and all that stuff, because I've gone back to meetings. (laughs) Screw this. I'm going to a meeting. I need a blue room. I'm going to go bonkers. Um, Thea ceases to exist. And that to me is like, even when I'm with my patients at work, I cease to exist on some level. And it all becomes, yeah, it's learning and knowledge and whatever, but it becomes intuitive and we become the vessel. It's a circle. Yes. It is, you're giving and receiving. Yeah. Yeah. It's really an amazing, amazing thing. So back to the success thing. I'm going to hammer this just a little more. Would you consider yourself successful? Oh, I have to say yes. Yeah. I have to, I definitely have to say yes. I am successful because I can love, I do love not only others, but myself today. Okay. I don't shudder when I walk past a mirror at the sight of my own eyes. I don't try to avoid eye contact with other humans. And matter of fact, I seek it out. Mm. I think if I am called to leave this body today, that I will have done a good job for the amount of time I've been given here on earth. Yeah, I agree. How have how has your uh, ideas of success changed in your 20-something, 24, 23? Three. 23 years. It's evolved, I bet. Tremendously. I think a lot of that has to do with aging, mm. right? Because Just in general in aging. In general. I think as we age as women and as we age in our sobriety, our concepts become stretched like a fat lady's girdle, right? <laughs> I mean, just 
I never thought to look at it like that yeah. before. They say when we come into our program that we suffer from a disease of perception. We don't see things right. We don't hear things right. I build stories in my head that I am inadequate. I build stories in my head that other people are inadequate. Their ideas are inadequate. They're, they're wrong. They're stupid. I'm wrong. I'm stupid. But as I age, I realize it just is. It's just a thought. It's just a feeling. It's just an event. How can we get through it the most peacefully, the most joyfully, and the most lovingly? We I mentioned the ten step earlier. You active ten stepper? I don't read it out of the book every night, mm-hmm. and I don't write anything down. Mm-hmm. But it's something that I can be aware of. It's like it becomes a part of my being, like mm-hmm. praying all day long. Yeah, I don't take a, a specific time out. Oh, this is my time to pray. I, you know, I don't have times of the day that I kneel in a certain direction or I'm on a run. <laughs> I, I yeah. just don't, yeah. you know, my life is when I come to consciousness in the morning, uh, I'm praying and I'm looking about, you know, God, please guide and direct my thinking. I'll listen to spiritual talks and think, let me stop and pray or I'll see something or an almost accident on the freeway. God bless them and keep them safe. When you see a person, you, you think namaste. It's, it's mm-hmm. always a prayer. And when I get off on the inside, if I get irritated or I'm quick to, to, to want to, you know, flip somebody off it's like i know that there's something off in me it right. is the 10th step that pause when agitated or mm. doubtful that spot check inventory that that how did i do today god how did we do i stayed i stayed pretty close to in your pocket today i think it was a good day or i was so far away from you god that please show me how i can do better tomorrow i have a prayer inside my closet every time i open it to get clothes out in the morning it says dear god Please let people treat me today the way I treated them yesterday. And you have to be real serious about that mm-hmm. if you're going to write that down and say it. <laughs> yeah. So wouldn't that be a 10th step? Yeah. Yeah. Being the watcher, too, and paying attention to all... What am I doing? What am I saying? How am I acting all the time? Right. Why am I tangled? Why Mm -hmm. is that state? Why does that statement that that person just said upset me? Yeah. It isn't about me. It isn't personal. Nobody's doing something to me. Why am I upset that people are in the streets yelling and screaming at each other? Mm -hmm. It isn't about me. Why am I attached to my opinion? That's when I know it's time to take a breath and go right back to the source. Yeah, nothing's personal. That's a big, that's a big, big um, uh, mantra of mine is nothing's personal ever, ever. When I was, I remember one day specifically doing a group at Kima Palms and I, this topic came up and there was this one person in there that just fought me on it and fought me on it. And I was like, give me any example in the world and I will show you how it's not personal. And man, she came up with this example and I went, and they were, I was like, look, literally nothing's personal. It's just, does it hurt? Yes. It doesn't mean it hurts any less. Like it can still hurt. It can still cut to the quick. It can still get me triggered for lack of a better term, but it doesn't mean that it's necessarily about me. And it doesn't mean that, uh, that it's any reflection on Thea as a person. And that's, that's huge growth. That's huge growth. Well, I've learned some, I've had to go, like all of us, I've had some rough lessons where I've really had to step back and go, 
oh my God, I need to figure out how to make this not be like this. And that's what came up was it's literally, that person would have done that to anyone that was standing in front of them, regardless of who they were, period. And once I can swallow that pill and keep it down and get a wrap my brain around it and all that, it changed everything. It doesn't mean I'm perfect. I still, but oh my God, did it change so much. And we hear people share things in meetings that we just hold their, their pearls that you were talking about, the, yeah. the, the gold nuggets. Yeah. I remember hearing a lady share in a meeting that her husband had, you know, said something ugly to her the night before. And she took a breath and said to him, what is so sad in you that makes you want to be mean to me? Yeah. And that is something that I've taken with me my whole sobriety. Mm-hmm. That when someone else is being a jerk, yeah. it isn't about me. No. It isn't personal. No. There's something sad in them. Yep. Yeah. And then I can turn and have empathy. Not compassion, not sympathy, not that. Then here comes this empathy and this vulnerability that gets to walk with me. That moves into the whole Brene Brown thing and BB. I will have Brene Brown on my show. I don't if she, seven if all se, if any seven of you know Brene Brown, I need to. <laughs> I have some questions. <laughs> They're very specific. I know what they are. They're written down, but I have questions. But that moves us into that whole thing too of being able to flip the conversation, reframe the conversation, and get vulnerable, courageous, and vulnerable, and say, okay. What's going on? What's going on inside me? And do I have the the guts, the balls, the I don't know, the whatever courage, courage to just yeah. turn it and go, hey, how can I help the you today? On the inside of your chest. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If the peace isn't there that day, that's another tenth step. Why isn't it there? Right. And I think that because we're human, we're going to get these opportunities that cause us to pray. I think I'm going to screw up. I am not Sister Mary Dawn by a long shot. (laughs) I make mistakes every single day of my life. That's what keeps me towing the line. Well, even Mother Teresa, if you read about her history, that she went through a whole time of her sisterhood. I don't know exactly what you call that where she really struggled with God. She almost didn't believe in God. She writes about it, and it's in her memoirs. It's really fascinating, but she kept doing it. She kept helping the poor. She kept helping the sick. She kept kept doing all the things, regardless of her, how she felt about her higher power. Act your way into right thinking. Act your way into right thinking. Isn't that interesting? It's the Mm. same principles across the board. Agreed. Yeah. Yeah. People will call her a success. Well, right. We go to meetings even though we don't want to. Mm-hmm. We pray even if we don't feel like it. Right. We'll meditate even though, ah, oh, I'd rather be doing something else. Yeah. Keep doing the stuff. Awesome. Cool. All right. Now I want to move on to the big topic that I wanted to bring up. All right. So. Dawn has this thing, and I don't know, I brought this up to you when I saw you uh, the, a while back, and, and, and I'm going to bring it up again because I think it's interesting, and this is no um, whatever. But I'm, You helped me with some stuff with my dad many, many years ago. I would, had been being sponsored by another gal in AA. I, like a lot of you know, I'm more of an NA person, but I had an AA sponsor at the time, and she actually re- relapsed. She had gone back out. 
And it was, it was rough. It was a rough, and it was rough on a lot of women in the program at the time. Um, but I still had some work to do, and I had some inventory I needed to do on my dad and some family stuff, and I went to you. You helped me with that, and I went to your house a few times, and we sat and worked, and you gave me the assignment of love letters, sending cards and love letters to my dad. And um, I'll be honest, I did it for a while, and then I, I kind of stopped. Um because, you know, this isn't getting me anywhere. <laughs> like, this is No expectation of anything in return. Yeah, he never, even to this day, he's never mentioned a word about it. I don't know if he has them, whatever. That's not my gig, right? That's not, that's... Attached to outcome. That's yeah. right. But it came up, you talked about it when I heard you speak a few weeks back. And it just, it brought, like, it was in my chest while you were speaking. And I just want to share one more thing. I'm going to let you rip on this. Um, a good friend of my family growing up, this woman helped raise my sister and I, and she was, uh, I was raised by a single mom, blah, blah, blah. And this woman and her family lived across the street from us. Her name was Carol and she helped raise us and she passed away a couple of weeks ago and I didn't get to talk to her before she passed. Um, and it happened really quick. I'll be honest. I did not pick up the phone. I knew she was ill, blah, blah, blah. But I remember saying to Leanne, I said, I'm going to write Carol a love letter. Cause it was right after we'd been at your thing. And Leanne was like, that's a great idea. She died like a couple, like less than a week later. And I was like, mother you didn't take action i didn't take action i yeah. didn't pick up the phone i didn't write the letter and i'm gonna write the letter i still want to write it i think it's super important for me because i also realized i owed i owed her an amends and i didn't even know it so that can happen everybody but i want to let you rip on this where this i don't know whatever you want to share about where it came from how it came about like what let's just get that rolling because i think this is huge not just for us as people in program but for everybody, anyone, anyone, anyone. Can benefit. From yeah. That. So tell us about the love, the love letters. It started when I I did my first inventory. Okay. And I was writing about my dad, and I was ripping him a new one. <laughs> you know, just all these things that he had done wrong, and on and on and on I went. What a victim I was, and how wronged I was, and what a bad father my father was. And my sponsor looked at me she like I had three heads. She goes, what do you want from him? What is it you want? And I looked at her like, don't you know? Uh, I wanted, he never called me to say, to say whatever, to see how I was doing. He never sent me Christmas cards or birthday cards. And I wanted Christmas cards and birthday cards. <laughs> I was entitled, don't you know? I wanted gifts. I wanted checks. I wanted cash. I wanted to be in his will. I wanted presents. And she, she, she looked at me and she said, really? <laughs> well, here is what you are going to do. I want you to call and just tell him you love him. And don't ask for any money. I want You want cards, you send him cards. You want letters, you write him letters. You want presents, you send him presents. And here's the deal. No expectation of anything in return. And I was like, I felt like someone had kicked me in the stomach like, what? It was a foreign concept. I hadn't ever shifted my perception enough to think about anything except myself. So I started making the phone calls. And in the beginning, it was like, 
okay, well, what do you want? You know, and I, and I was yeah. offended because I was coming, you know, just to say hi and I love you. But yet that wasn't my pattern. He knew, he didn't know what to expect from me because I normally had my hand out. It was normally all about me, the victim. And then I started sending the cards and eventually I started writing love letters. And I'm going to promise you that I do not regret one love letter I ever sent. I do not regret any of those cards or any of those phone calls or any of those presents that I mailed. I learned eventually not to have expectation on the outcome. I learned, I learned that he would go to the end of his long driveway and when he pulled out a card or one of my letters from the mailbox and he saw it was from me, I knew in my heart that he was smiling. I would take road trips for, for work and I would call my dad as I'm driving along some of these places and just check on him and he may say things to me like, girl, I haven't got any of those cards from you lately. <laughs> so I knew he was enjoying them. And he would tell me that was a really beautiful letter you sent. And the letters I'd send would say things like, Daddy, I remember riding in the car when, you know, there were, he was a single parent of four children. And when I got a turn to sit in the front, I was, you know, in hog heaven. But he'd reach over and pat me on the leg, and I knew that I was loved. And I would write those things in the letter. I wrote him a letter that said, I remember when I was a little girl and you would walk me to school and hold my hand and I would look up at you and I would think that you were the most handsome daddy in the whole wide world. That's all loved on. And I wrote the love letters. I wish I had written more because he's gone now and I can't write him any more yeah. love letters. But there are people in my life. I have uncles. I have aunts. I have bro I have five brothers and three sisters. I could be writing some <laughs> love letters. But not just the love letters. Make yeah. the phone call. Send the text message right. out of the blue. Because you never know when you're going to make somebody's day. And then it becomes not all about me and what am I getting, but is what am I giving the universe what are the laws of karma, Thea? You tell me. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, I was I was wondering when you were saying that, like, and we were talking earlier about the reciprocal. You know, when we sit down with a sponsee or whatever, we cease to exist, or I should say, I cease to exist. So the same type of thing is going to happen here, and that wheel is just going to spin and spin and spin, and you never know how the karma is going to come back. Like, I put five dollars in the basket. It doesn't mean I'm going to get. $5,000 check. It may mean I get a call from my dad. It may mean that I get whatever, you know, I don't know. I find a dollar. I mean, who knows? Like it doesn't, I don't know what that five bucks in the basket is going to bring back. So we don't know. A smile. Yeah. It could Peace be, in your chest. It can be anything. And love unreciprocated like a pendulum that comes back tenfold. Mm -hmm. It may not come in the form we wish, but it will come in the form that God determines. Right. I believe that. So how, you mentioned all your aunts and uncles and brothers and sisters. Do you, I'm curious about your, I'm, I'm a method person, right? Uh -huh. Like, like that's, a, give me a method. So like when you're, when you're working with a sponsee or, you know, how do you, when do you employ this, I guess, as your, as an assignment or how do you, 
How do you use it, I guess is my question. Generally, I start in the, the four-step inventory, especially when they've got those types of issues. Yeah. I really, really drive it home in, we do eight-step inventories, and then we flip over that inventory and write a ninth-step amends on the back of it. And as a part of that, these are the things I suggest. You can't make anybody do something, Mm-mm. but most people have an expectation. They have a, ch- a child that they drank and used away, and that, that you know, for years of mm-hmm. their lives, they don't want to communicate. And I say, just send the love letters. Just send them a card and stay consistent. And perhaps one day they, they will reach back out to you, and maybe they won't. Because I've known people like my great-grandma sponsor, Maxine, um, she had two little boys that, that were taken away from her when she was, you know, before she got sober, and they never came back in her life. About maybe six months before she died, one of her sons, who was in his 60s, called her. Oh, and I was one of the first people she called to share that story with. Yeah. Wow. It'll come in the form that God determines. I have to release my expectation of the outcome. That's very difficult. That's once it back to the discipline of our thought life. Discipline. It's interesting you brought that word up because it's that consistency and discipline in everything across the board with the love letters, with the step work, with the eating healthy, exercise, yes. exercise, saving money. Like, I don't care. Walking the dog. The dog wants to go for a walk every freaking day. <laughs> like, Brushing our teeth, right? Yeah. Flossing, all of it. It pays off. And it's discipline for the fact of discipline. We've got grooves, grooves, like yes. like, like the, the tra- path, path through the woods. Yes. We're going to take, I'm going to stay on the path. It's easier. But if I take a, and make my own yep. path, I've got to start chopping limbs and, and, and whacking tree you know briars and brambles out of the way and grooving a new path it's like our neurotransmitter pathways Mm -hmm. in our brain this we come into into the program and we have to build new pathways yes they may be difficult and hard to traverse but the more we do it the more easy it becomes the abnormal becomes normal and you know what? I'm going to say this before I forget it. When we make those changes, y'all, and, and I want to hear what Dawn has to say about this too. When we make those changes, when we start to stay, say, uh, change those grooves, we leave a vacuum. When we make changes, we leave a vacuum, and God's going to fill that vacuum with whatever, whether it's the $5 vacuum, whether it's the salad vacuum, whether it's I'm going to quit my job because I hate it and I don't know what I'm going to do yet vacuum, whether it's the... I love it when sponsees call me up and they're like, blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, how's that step coming? What well, doesn't have anything to do with anything? I go, you know what? You may be right. But I've learned over the years that if you do the step work, the other shit works out. I don't know how it works. I don't know why it fucking works. It but just it, does. It just does. But I think now that I'm talking it out, I wonder about that vacuum. Because we're making the changes Creating a space for God to fill, yes. the universe to fill, yes. the, yes. the great spirit to fill, whatever you want to call whatever. it, it's filling it. It will fill it. And sometimes when we hang on too tight to something for fear of letting it go, for fear of being judged, for fear of whatever. Like a hood rider. Like, fuck, Ray the Drunk was the first time I ever heard the hood rider thing. God, Ray the Drunk. Oh, God. All right. But, um, um, but yeah, we are hang on to stuff so tight that we're the fear of letting it go is worse than the actual letting it go. And we're scared of what 
is going to be put in the place. Attachment to outcome. Yeah. And then, but that vacuum leaves the opportunity. And you know what? These are all just fancy words yeah. until it becomes your experience. Mm. We can throw down a bunch of other stuff and, and sound all yep. high and mighty and great and, and perfect. But when it becomes your experience, yeah. I don't, like you just said, I don't know why this works. It just does. Mm -hmm. It's your experience. Yes. And you're inviting someone else to have that experience yes. when you make the suggestion. Mm -hmm. 8,000 plus days of experience. I've just stayed clean a lot of days. Like it's, it's that. You did more than stay clean. You've sincerely worked on the, the yeah. difficult things. You've been stretched in yes. ways you didn't even plan on being stretched. You've cried. You've screamed. <sighs> you've stomped your feet. You hit your head All into the it. walls. Right. Right. As and of then, you. Yes. So go ahead. Yeah. It's when people ask, how did you do it? And if you answer me one day at a time, I want to rake your eyeballs out <laughs> because it was screaming, cussing, fighting, yeah. defying snot rolling down my nose yeah. you know all of that it wasn't just an easy peasy walk in the park mm -mm. but then it became my experience that this is in right. fact the easier softer way it is now now i wouldn't have after said, the screaming after this kicking and screaming but we still do it don't oh yeah we sometimes? oh yeah oh yeah i kick and scream all the time Maybe not all the time. Well, maybe a little I, bit I, less I, of the time. Or I go, well, why does it have to be this way? <laughs> like, that's I my... want my pudding. <laughs> For sure. Um, I was going to say something, but it went away. Um, that's okay. It'll come back if it's supposed to. Um, oh, the 8,000 days. Like, I sometimes I think about that like the lottery ticket. Like, I could hand a newcomer my almost 25 years. If as long as I stay willing, right? Um, but they wouldn't know what the hell to do with it. Just like a winning lottery ticket, right? Like, yeah, and I buy lottery. I'm a guilty of it. I'm a lottery buyer, right? And I don't know what I would do with those millions of dollars. I'd probably fuck it all away. No, <laughs> you'd help but a lot of people. I, I, I know yeah, you would. I'd give it all away. But, but you know what I'm saying, though? There's that whole thing like, I okay, person with 30 days in house, in Way Out Women's Center, house four, wherever you are, here's my almost, you know, whatever, thousands of days. Have at it. Are you ready for those responsibilities? Are you ready for this? Are you ready for that? Like, that's a whole, that's a different ball game. But there'd have to be some discernment there also. Ooh. Would you give a new newcomer, you know, ten thousand dollars? <laughs> right. That might not be a real wise without thing expectations. To do. <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. Could you be aiding in their destruction? Mm. I, I don't know. Yeah. I, I don't, don't know, know that I'd want to have somebody's, you know, twenty-five years when I was new because I probably wouldn't have done the work I did. Right. What do you, this is, this is a question that me and some of my, my buddies have a lot. The difference in people, and this is no judgment. Everyone has, everyone's on the path, but we see people go along and we, when they come in and you can tell the people that have, there's a separation between the person that's done a fourth and fifth step and the person that hasn't. And then you go a little farther and there's a separation between the people that have made an honest attempt at amends and who haven't. And then there's the honest separation with the people that are actually living their program. 
and aren't. And then you've got even deeper level because you have the people that go back through and they do it all again. And again, this is no, I'm not, but I find it fascinating that there's this, there's energy, energy, energy levels. You can, you can feel the energy. I don't care if the person has four months sober or 40 years sober. Okay. You can feel the energy when somebody's happy, joyous and free. Okay, are they are they happy, joyous, and free? And this is gonna <laughs> because they're on a pink cloud, or because they're on a pink cloud, or because they're really doing the work and they're going through the kicking and screaming and flinging snot and shiny nose and meditation because they're snot. You know what I mean? Or is it just because, hey, I'm sober and I've got some chicks and I've got a new car? Maybe. Or does it matter? Does it matter? I don't know. I don't know. I think it, I think I think it matters <sighs> when I become complacent. I don't care mm. if I have two months. Or, you know, a couple dozen years. Yeah. Right? Right. If I become complacent, that's a danger zone. I'm not trying anymore. Right. And that's... Seeking. It's that the we're seeking. talking about it's, earlier. All the plethora of avenues in which you seek today. Right. Right. Mind, body, and spirit. Right. Hmm. 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 It's good stuff. <laughs> I love this. Isn't this fun? It is. This is fun. I, I don't. Yeah, I people look at me like I'm crazy, but I love a little sitting. bit crazy. Yeah. I am. I am. I am yeah. probably pretty certifiable. Um, but I love sitting here having these discussions. Like this, just really trips my trigger. You know, that's because it's what you're supposed to be doing. Mm, yeah, I love it. Thank you, Kenny. Thank you for all the people that push me this way. Because uh, I wouldn't have done it. And everyone was like, yeah, yeah, Theo, you're going to do a podcast. <laughs> I go, no, I really think I'm going to do it. <laughs> and then, and then here it is. <laughs> like I said, I don't know if anybody listens or doesn't listen. It doesn't matter. You know, put it out there. And if somebody listens to it, great. And like I said, if one person can get one nugget, that, you know, that's all, that's all that matters. I look at us as being invisible seed bearers. We have this big bag of invisible seeds. Our job is to sow the seeds yeah. and throw them out there. But it's none of our business no. if they take root. It's not our business if they flower. It's not our business if they're washed away by the elements or get get washed downstream into another place where they flower and bloom. Our business is to throw the seeds. And that's what you do every time you smile at someone for every group you give, for right. every phone call you make, or every love letter you write. That's you. Sowing those invisible God seeds. And with that, I think that's a good place to uh, cut it off. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. This was a lot of fun. We'll have to do it again. We'll come up with some other stuff later down the road. If, if she's game, maybe I can tempt her back. And <laughs> But thanks, everyone, for joining us. I hope you enjoy this. And um, I'll see you tomorrow for another episode. Thanks, y'all. Peace out. All right, everyone, that's another episode of The Corner of Here and Now. Thank you for joining me. If you like what you're hearing, please share, comment, and or subscribe. Please know that the music used in this podcast is the one and only Kenny Cordray. The song is called Rojo that was generously donated by his family. Until the next time we meet on The Corner of Here and Now, remember, we're all just walking each other home. Peace out.